1: Valeria interviews Taylor Proctor. She is a transformational happiness mentor, happiness podcaster, and speaker. Taylor blends her experience as a global marketing director, leading international teams, with her mentoring certification to help her clients, individuals who find themselves wishing for more purpose, peace, and happiness, discover their personal happiness routines. Together, we uncover and implement the life they've always dreamed of. Whether Taylor is podcasting, training a group, or working one-on-one with her clients, she loves sharing actionable techniques and exercises to inspire positive change, increase confidence, encourage vulnerable leadership, and remind others that they're capable of happiness abound. Meet Taylor at happinessabound.com. Here is the interview with Taylor Proctor. In your own
0: words, who is Taylor Proctor?
2: Well, I am a transformational happiness mentor. And if I'm going to use my own words and use it like on the fly, something that I say to myself every single day is I am an intuitive mentor, vibrant, abundant and filled with light. And I help people change their lives. I help people transform from anger and sadness Low self worth, feeling overwhelmed, putting things off that they want to do. I help them transform from that space to a space of productivity and happiness and getting their goals and achieving their dream life. That sounds wonderful to me,
0: all of that. Yes. And I love that word intuitive. Yeah. I'll be asking you the question in the moment um, about intuition. So I have a few warm up questions, as I mentioned, off record. Before we talk about some topics related to your work, more specifically, I'm already asking you here some questions related to your work. And the first one is very much related. Happiness. What is happiness to you, Taylor?
2: I love this question because I think one of the biggest misconceptions around happiness is that what happiness means for me means happiness for someone else. And that is one of the core reasons for dissatisfaction and unhappiness because when we look at what other people have and what helps them feel happy and we don't have that, we feel like we can't be happy or we have that and we're unhappy, we feel like we're broken. So I love the question as it's specified to what happiness means to me and uh, happiness for me specifically is really surrounded in three other emotions that for me build up to happiness. And that's joy. So living with joy and laughter and things like that every day Um living a life that is fulfilled. So knowing that I am making an impact, making a difference and helping people discover their own unique happiness. And then also within that is peace. In my own happiness journey, I often felt torn. I felt like I was at war between anger and sadness and chaos And who I wanted to be and what I wanted my life to look like. And it felt like this constant battle. So for me now, happiness is deeply rooted in this peace, fulfillment, and joy aspects of my life.
0: That sounds really good to me. But I do have a question about joy. So we connect joy to happiness in the sense of being the same thing. Joy is a component of happiness. But you don't see joy as a separate state of mind.
2: I don't. Uh, I think that as humans, we like to classify things and we like to add levels to things, right. And so it's like I'm happy. and and so what we what I see often is those people that are happy, they see happiness, and then they're like, but that person over there said they're filled with joy. And what does that mean to me? And then they feel like they, then we're back into that comparison trap and then we're not <laughs> feeling happy and we're not feeling joy, right. So I think I think to me that they are, They are equal and also it's that representation of what it can mean to you as an individual. But again, for me, happiness is the umbrella and joy is a component of that. And for me, when I think of joy, I think of like, it's so funny, but I think of like children doing that like scream laughing thing that they do where they're so like overjoyed, overjoyed and delighted. And they just do that like screaming laugh and it's just so cute and you can just feel the joy radiating for them that to me is joy and so that also equates to if i'm going to attach other definitions to it that equates to that fun that delighted that creativity component and to me that has to be a spoke in the happiness umbrella uh you can have it be separate but if it's separate it's still equal to it's not necessarily better or deeper than happiness in my opinion
0: what is life to you not what life is about but what is life itself
2: I want to ask a little bit of a clarifying question. Are you asking like my life a day in or just my definition of life as a whole? What is
0: life to you as a whole?
2: Life to me as a whole. Life to me as a whole is very closely related to what I think my, I have two purposes. I have an internal purpose and an external purpose. So life for me with my internal purpose is to learn and to grow as much as possible. And then my external purpose is to be able to share what I am learning from and to grow and to connect, to help other people be able to be their happiest and to learn and grow as much as possible. Life is also moving forward. If we look at life, it has cycles, but it's always growing. It's always changing. It's always adapting. So learning and growing, if you will, but also within that, is this, this idea of progression versus stagnation. And going back to like my area of expertise and happiness, when we are stagnant, we feel like we're getting left behind and we feel like we're standing still. And to me, life is about progression and transformation. And so it's always that forward movement and, I love and momentum.
0: Too. I love the idea of life being a learning, growing and transforming experience that resonates a lot (laughs) what do you think is the ultimate purpose of the human experience
2: i'm going to lean back into learning and growing and i'm going to add connection so learning and growing as an individual and then connecting with others to help them learn and grow i think that's the ultimate experience because when you look at it from i I can say that deep or that high depending on where you're looking at it of those levels looking at it in those three simplistic components it can encompass everything any negative situation or poor circumstance if you look at it with my purpose here is to learn and to grow you can progress forward from it and you can connect with other people who have been through it as well and you can share your story and you can help each other And so I think that there is this learning, growing, and connecting component that is the the ultimate human, the ultimate life experience of what we all move for. And I would also put into that space, not the expectation that we should be inherently happy, but I do believe that the desire to be happy is a human and very deep trait, like I said, desire of what our life looks like and adding that into the ultimate life experience is incredibly important
0: beautifully said do you think at some point we will learn or have learned everything that there is to learn about ourselves in life or not really i'm going to say not really and here's the reason
2: why so uh when i look at happiness i like to like i said we're humans we like to attach things to stuff and and organize it, right? So it doesn't feel quite as chaotic. So for me, happiness looks like identity plus vision plus mindset plus leadership equals happiness. And if I focus in on that identity component, who I am today was shaped by the experiences I had yesterday and the day before that. So I'm not who I was yesterday. So I always have core templates of who I am and how I function in the world. And that's a core piece of my identity. But As I learn and grow of even just that first, that first quadrant of that formula, it's always evolving, always changing. I I have the delight and honor to go and spend time with my husband's grandmother once a month and she's in her late 80s. And what she tells me that she's learning about herself as her as her body ages and her mind stays quite sharp and the frustrations of that and learning to maneuver that type of world. That's all the stuff that I, I think that we, we can't learn and we can learn, but you can't experience it until you're in that. And so learning and growing attached to experience is something that will never be completed as long as we're alive. Cause we're always experiencing something new.
0: Yes. Which it doesn't take away joy and happiness. Right. Taylor. Right. Not at all. So I have two questions for you. The next one's, They relate to being a female in a human body. What do you love most about being a woman?
2: That's a very interesting question. Um, I can easily go into what I love most about me being a woman. Um, But what I love about being a woman more, more generalized, I... I do love this idea. <laughs> this is silly, but this idea of challenge and overcoming. I think as females, we have gone up and down that hill several times throughout history. And to be a forerunner of that movement as as a woman, as a female, that as we are constantly seeing challenges and overcoming them as things come up and we have the opportunity to prove ourselves while fully embracing our femininity. Uh, I think that's, that's probably my favorite part. That's my favorite thing about being a woman is that we get to kind of spearhead this movement, but also we get to be the, the leaders of those movements for other diverse groups as well. Like we we can say we've done we've gone up and down this hill a few times. Um, Here's what we have learned. And here's how we can connect with each other to help bring everyone up a
0: thousand times. And my follow up question is, what is the most challenging aspect about being a woman from your perspective?
2: The most challenging aspect, I'm going to go with two things here. Society speaking, the most challenging aspect for me is the idea of vulnerability for a man is brave, but the idea of vulnerability for a woman is emotional, uh, especially in positions of leadership as as you and I are, as your listeners are, Right, we're leaders in our spaces. And so vulnerability is crucial to creating a, a leadership and also a culture of our communities that allows growth and opportunity, growth and learning and connection. And so as we look at that, the misconception or the description of vulnerability based on being male or female, I think is, is quite challenging. But I would also say, um, for me, in my physical body,
0: the most challenging thing is hormones. Oh, tell me about it. <laughs> yes, boy, yeah. So do you think that those ideas are changing? Man for man and women being vulnerable.
1: I
2: I do think they are. Um, I think that the people that you surround yourself with are going to be at those kind of vibrations and those levels um, if you believe in those vibrations and levels. So um, for me, I have I have felt it change, and it's actually almost shocking when I do run into it, where I'm like, wait, what? Um, but then it's just a reminder that there's bigger work to be done in the world. Yes. Yeah.
0: What is freedom to you, Taylor? What is to be free?
2: Ooh, I love this question. Uh, so, freedom to me is actually discipline. And what I mean by that is, I have found that when I do not have structure in my life, I feel like I'm caught in chaos, right? And I spoke a little bit about kind of where I was pre my own happiness journey, right? In feeling that sadness, that fear, that low self worth. Putting off the things that I wanted to do, living in this anger and frustration space, those were all when I didn't have, I didn't have structure, and I didn't have discipline. And if I go back to that formula, that personal leadership, right? I didn't have that personal leadership, that discipline to take my life to the, where I needed it to be. So for me, freedom and the beautiful and happy and wonderful life that I have now is really rooted not only in my ideas of happiness, but also setting up the happiness habits, the structure and taking the discipline to feel that way every single day. And so for me, I really thrive in this discipline is freedom mindset because I have found that it works for me and sets me up for success in levels I never had before
0: I had structure. That's interesting because it sounds like it takes freedom away in a way. If you think about self-discipline instructors, It sounds really solid and like a square-like space, but it's interesting the way you connect that to the idea of finding freedom. So you need structure. We need practices to get there. That makes sense to me. I'm wondering if you connect self-discipline to self-control.
2: I love that question as well, because to me, self-control lies very heavily in an emotional space where self-discipline can lie heavily in habitual routines, more physical space. Um, And I would say that self-control and self-discipline are different. However, self-discipline can support self-control. And what I mean by that is, is in my own happiness habits, and also what I assist my clients to discover for their own routines and happiness, is emotional management techniques so that we can express versus suppress and express in healthy ways that allow us to identify uh, and work through our emotions to come back onto the positive side of the spectrum. So self-control while being emotional, when you put into place the habits every single day to allow for emotional expression, emotional exploration, that automatically is in that discipline category because it's habitual and it's a part of a routine. However, it deeply feeds into the ability To have self-control and mastery and to really take your life to those levels where you Mm, want it to go yes
0: which makes me think about the foundation for all these practices being self-awareness and self-knowledge would you say that too taylor yes yes i think that
2: that goes back to (laughs) (laughs) i apologize to keep on going back to the formula but that goes back to the identity Mm, right knowing who you are how you function in the world knowing that without a look at comparison and having that level of self-awareness can set you up to create your life within your templates and that is extremely powerful but it does not happen without a level of self-awareness it's to start. not
0: possible it doesn't seem possible so i'll be asking you more questions about that in the moment identity but before i have a few more questions at this time, what do you think is the world's greatest need? Do you have a vision for a new reality?
2: I think the world's greatest need is to not compare.
0: Uh,
2: I see this in as a basis of what was my own unhappiness. I see it as a basis of what is my client's unhappiness, is that we compare and we see others and we wonder why we don't feel happy or why we don't have those things or whatever it may be. And then we feel broken. And when we feel broken, we have a tendency to feel vulnerable in a way that our brain reads as a negative. And therefore, we try to protect ourselves from that negative. We put up our shields. And so we compare, we feel bad, we put up our shields. And in most cases, especially in society, anger is a justified and widely accepted shield emotion. And as we see, anger leads to a lot of... Discrepancies, anger leads to a lot of, I would say not discussions and not debates, but a lot of battles and a lot of misunderstandings and a lot of having to stand my ground because I feel like I can't can't take down the shield, can't take down the protection of anger because then I'm left with the feeling broken and sad. And I feel that way because I saw somebody else was happy. And so I would say if we're going to go to the root cause, Comparison is a huge component of that. And if we can stop comparing, we can be more happy. And when we are happy and we are that fulfilled, peaceful, joyful space, then we are definitely much more open-minded towards other people. And by open-minded, I don't mean we have to accept their viewpoints, but we can respect them for who they are. And the shield of anger is not there trying to protect us. And I think if we could stop the comparison as the root cause of that, a lot of things in the world would...
0: Simmer to a space to be solved. That is so true. Do you think this is something simple? How simple it is to live this human life without comparison, any comparison?
2: It's difficult. As as humans, we have always looked at, to use, to coin a very common phrase, keeping up with the Joneses. And it's become even more difficult in a world where not only can I see the Joneses next door have a boat, but I also see that my cousin who lives three states away has a boat and I don't have a boat and I want a boat, right? Or what I don't want a boat. But examples. But I think within that like it's it's much more difficult now and even then like I live I try to have my best to live a life of non-comparison and non-judgment because I know that that does not assist in my happiness. However, I still feel myself being like, well, why am I not here yet? And I'm like comparing myself against this imaginary expectation even. And so I think that it can be difficult. However, that awareness and that mindfulness of am I comparing and using that as a looking at, okay, comparison is a trigger. What am I really looking at and what do I need to do to, to pivot and understand this better and make the moves I need to make? So, yeah, I do think it's difficult, not necessarily easy, but it is a game changer to be in that space of letting people do their thing and you feeling whole and fulfilled in your thing, which, again, going back to that, one of those pillars of happiness is that fulfillment component.
0: And I agree. Do you think that we all have unique gifts and talents? One hundred. So that's part of the process to becoming aware of our gifts so we don't have to compare ourselves with anyone because we are unique.
2: Exactly. If I look at if I look at that formula again, that goes back to the identity piece, then creating a vision for your life, not based on comparison to someone else then having the mindset to not compare, to be judgment-free and to really thrive in who you are, and then having the leadership to take your life to those
0: levels of where you want to be. Another question came to mind about comparison and admiration and respect for others who are doing really well, what we wish to be doing, or maybe we want to take our business to that level. So how do we balance this comparing and admiring others as a role model?
2: I think the core difference there is your internal dialogue around those situations. So if you are looking at someone and you find yourself thinking negatively towards them and comparing and be like, Oh, that person did this or what have you. And you're like, I was going to do that, but now I can't. And you're angry about it. Whatever that looks like. uh, That is comparison. Admiration and respect does not have that negative internal dialogue. It doesn't. It's wow. I'm so inspired by that. I, I, I want to, I want to strive to, to be like that person. And that's when it turns into an opportunity to learn and to grow through what you see from that individual. So I really think that that comes down to, there's that fine line, but the way to identify that line is as closely related as monitoring your internal voice for The words and language you're using but also the tone right sometimes we speak in sarcasm in our brains and that's totally on the
0: comparison side so basically if i can make it this very simple is um having negative feelings or emotions toward maybe ourselves or others when making that comparison
2: yeah i think that if i see someone i'm going to use i think there's a lot of us that are on facebook a lot of coaches a lot of healers right and I see someone that I'm an acquaintance with on Facebook and they're doing something, I have three options. One, I don't care. Two, I look at it and go, wow, she's doing something really cool. What, what, Like, I might want to do that, or I might want to learn from that, or that's really me. I want to connect with this person, all learning and growing and feels in that admiration and respect point, where if I look at the third option, I look and go, Ugh, again, I can't believe they're selling again, or they're doing whatever. And I'm like having this negative tone, this negative voice. I'm looking at it from a space of comparison and from a space of fear, I'm going to use the sales one a lot because I think that a lot of us have fear around sales. When someone is selling their stuff and you're like, oh, all they do is sell," Well, guess what? Like they're getting the business and you're not. And so you're comparing and trying to justify your inaction to their action. So whereas if we look at the other side, you could be like, that's cool. They're in a different industry than I am. And I, that you're neutral. Or the other other side of, wow, she's selling all the time. She must be really confident in her ability to sell and her products changing lives. What can I learn from her on that?
0: I love that, Taylor, the last one. (laughs) Yes, that's a wonderful state of mind, state of being, right? Because that has a lot to do with working together because we are the human community and not just parts of life. So I have... Two more questions for you. The warm up questions. The next one's about love. What is love to you?
2: Love is and I know I go back to like three pillars of emotional connection. But love is trust, respect and communication. I do not believe you can have love in your life without those three things.
0: Trust. That's a powerful component that I often connect to the universe or whatever we call God, just trusting that, that force. Perhaps you are speaking about relationships.
2: I think it go across to any of those aspects, truthfully. Like trust of in a relationship is crucial, but also trust that the universe has your back, crucial. Uh, communication with your higher power to build up on intuition and things like that, Crucial communication in your relationships to better under, understand, each other and, and build that connection. Crucial, right? So I think that there's, and then respect. Uh, even then, if I look at things in a universal space or any circumstances, even respect of an individual, respect of the other person, respect of me and respect towards the relationship are crucial. And in a intimate relationship or even just a friendship, respect towards that other individual and who they are them having a respect for me and me respecting myself and then respecting the relationship and where it's at is also crucial. So I think that those three things in determination of love cross all, all examples. Do you
0: believe in unconditional self-love?
2: Yes. I think that when we don't have a love of ourself, that's when shame sinks in and that's when the barriers come up, right? Cause we don't want to feel shame. So then we get angry or sad or whatever that may be. And we get lost in ourselves and then things feel, things feel overwhelming and we feel like we have low self-esteem and things like that. And it's hard for us to move forward. So I think that what we need is unconditional self-love with an understanding. And to be very clear on this, You can love yourself and still want to progress. Loving yourself does not mean loving yourself with stagnation. Loving yourself means I love who I am. I love where I'm at now. And I love the chance that I have to learn and to grow into the next level
0: of who I am. What, where, and who is God to you? What, where, and who is God to me? So
2: I believe more so in a higher power, which could be God, could be not. Right. Um, so it's less about a what and more about a, a feeling, um, where I think that's everywhere. It's not something that you get by walking into a church. It's something that you can get while you're hiking. It's something that you can get while you're in your home. It's something you can get while you're out getting dinner. Like it's, it's not a it's not confined by anything um, and i think that also goes into the who right the the what and the who are very s- closely aligned in my instance because i don't i don't attach a, a gender or a i don't attach personification to my higher power now i will say I also believe in a higher self, and obviously that higher self is me at a higher, higher vibration, a higher frequency, a higher level, and, and continuing to go towards that. So that is, that is definitely who, me, uh, where, still everywhere with me, um, and then what also being my highest version
0: of who I am. Do you somehow connect love or unconditional love to this idea of God?
2: I'm going to probably do a a controversial answer here and say no. Why not, Taylor? (laughs) Because I think that unconditional love and sense of self can only be given by self. And when we say that God or a higher power is unconditional love, well, that may be true. Then it feels like your ability to love yourself is conditional on unconditional love from your higher power.
0: Okay. So if we are making that connection, yeah, of course. We are feeling unconditionally love because we believe that there's something out there that loves us unconditionally, right?
2: yeah, and I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing, but I think like in moments of heartbreak or in moments of pain, it can be hard to think that we are loved unconditionally by the universe. And at that, that point, if your self-love is attached to the universes, version of love and your mind is not connecting that, then it feels like you are abandoned and you don't have self love because you use the universe's love
0: as a crutch. That doesn't sound like an empowering state of mind to be right. And I agree, because I believe in making choices, and I'm sure you do, too. Well, I can't ask the question. Do you believe that we have the choice even to believe, I mean, in whatever we are believing right now, even to have this conversation, do what you do, do what I do, that's coming from choices. And if we are making a choice, then we are taking responsibility for everything.
2: Yes, I agree.
0: Do you believe in destiny?
2: I believe I can make my own destiny, meaning that I I may have a purpose to be here, but that doesn't mean it's, that doesn't, I I make it my destiny to embrace that purpose or not. That's a choice, going back to that choice and accountability model. Um, I think that destiny feels limiting unless you take control of said destiny and you are making those Those choices, I think, destiny and fate are a slippery slope because it essentially, I'm going to go this far. It does take you back to a comparison mindset, Mm. right? You're comparing your destiny, like your idea, your expectation of what your destiny is, to your life now, which can lead to misery.
0: Talk to me for a moment about your workshops, courses, and mentoring programs.
2: Yeah, so I have the the ultimate honor and delight to be a facilitator to help other people discover their happiness. Um, and I do that through, as you'd mentioned, workshops, courses, one-on-one mentoring and things like that. But I always start with asking the question of on a scale of one to 10, how happy are you? One being not happy. And 10 being overjoyed, happier than you've ever been in your life. And most of the people that I work with, when I first ask them that question, they say they're at a two or a three. And in our time of working together, specifically with my one-on-one mentoring program, it's ten weeks long, and we help them find and define their personal happiness—not um, what I think it should be, but what they actually feel happy and what happiness means to them. And then we define what those ha- what c- those can look like habitually in their life, so they can experience happiness every day and remember that they are capable of happiness abound. And at the end of the ten weeks of working together. They usually have jumped up that scale to a seven, eight, nine. Nobody wants to admit they're a 10. I've had people be like, I'm a nine and a half. But the thing is, is once you feel once you feel happy, you're like, I think I could feel happier. And it's like it's empowering versus disintegrating, if that makes sense. And so it's nice to have that 10 out there. It's like I could be happier, but I'm still loving my life. And I just have the honor to be able to help people find and define that for themselves. And then in courses and things like that, I have a course called Foundations of Happiness, which really looks at the misconceptions around happiness and the things that we think happiness is when it's actually not, or the actions we take towards happiness that aren't really helping our happiness. Many of the people that I work with are individuals who have Gone and gotten the degree. They have the nice car. They have the nice house. They have the beautiful spouse and family. They've worked so hard. They have the corner office or the successful entrepreneurial business. And they meet that societal checklist of success. And they look around and they go, But I'm not happy. And so those are some of the misconceptions, right? Those are things that we've been told success, success equals happiness versus happiness equals success. And there is a difference there, but that understanding of these are the misconceptions and how can we pivot and build upon that formula of identity, vision, mindset, and leadership to discover what happiness means to me, what happiness means to you as an individual, and then establishing to put that in your life as a daily practice. I also have a podcast um, as well. So uh, over 500 episodes, my episodes are no longer than like 15 minutes. So they're short, they're actionable, they get you thinking. And that is really one of my greatest ways to engage with people and help them be happy. And then as they want to take it to the next level, that's when they move into courses. That's when they move into the one-on-one mentoring.
0: Do you want to give the podcast title so they can find it?
2: Yes. Uh,
0: so my podcast
2: is called Happiness Abound. And the tagline I actually just said is um, in, in talking about what I help people get is that reminder that they are capable of happiness abound.
0: What is success to you, Taylor? What is to be successful to you?
2: So I love this question because I think that happiness is success. Again, going to back to that idea, happiness is not inherent I'm just gonna put that out there. It's not inherent, but it is a learned skill. However, the desire to be happy is inherent in every human. So if we can release the expectation that we should be automatically happy and embrace the idea that it's a learned skill, then we can support our internal desire that is inherent to be happy. And so success for me, happiness equals success, because once you're happy, you can radiate that through all other areas of your life. And if something goes wrong, you're okay because you know who you are. You have the vision for your life. You've worked through the mindsets and you've led your life to a space where you are happy.
0: Yeah, I love the way you defined happiness in the very beginning and now you connect connecting that to success. So it goes back to joy, fulfillment, and a state of mind that I love to be in peace being peaceful. I wanted to talk to you for a moment about trying not to be happy around people who are not happy, who choose not to be happy. Yeah, what do you think about that? So I,
2: I'm i smiling <laughs> because <laughs> we have this idea and this belief that if I'm happy or if I progress forward in my life, I'm going to leave people behind and I'm going to make them feel bad. But I'm going to use regardless of the relationship, but let's look at like a mother daughter relationship. If you are unhappy and you're not putting in place habits and things that support happiness, you look at your daughter and you want her to be happy, right? That's your, that's your desire for her. You want her to have a happy, joy filled life, but you're not setting yourself up to teach her how to do that because you're not setting yourself up for it. So when we look at our relationships, in general, and that idea of like, well, someone's not happy, so I can't be happy right now. What we're doing is we're setting it up so they can't experience happiness. Whereas you can be a leader, a light, an example. And when you are living in your happiness, others, to to go back to my tagline, (laughs) not on purpose, but others can see that if you are capable of happiness abound, they might Mm. be too.
0: I love that idea to become What do you want is basically not just talking about, but just embodying whatever we want to be and not trying to wish that for others because we don't have it. But there's another component, another challenge, let's say for me has been is um, seeing other people unhappy and sort of taking responsibility for that and feeling unhappy myself so I can connect with them. That has been a challenge. So what would you advise people like me?
2: I'm going to say a word that a lot of people don't like, (laughs) which is boundaries. (laughs) Look, you can, you can, you can be there. You can support someone like you can be supportive and care for them and not have to take on their emotions. Now that can be really hard because we are empathetic beings. And as part of connection, we feel like we, we have to take on what they're going through. But the truth of it is, is that it goes back to that connection to self first and knowing that what they're going through is not what you're going through. And while you can empathize, it does not mean that you need to take on their emotions to be a good person and a support system for them. And I think that does go back to boundaries. Like I can have a friend going through something and I can be like, I can't imagine, like I'm so sorry for what you're going through And I can be there for them to be a sounding board. They can talk to me. I can listen without judgment. I can do all these things to support them. But at the end of the day, my emotions are mine. My connection to myself is mine. And if I can come in back to that and have that boundary pretty much the entire time I'm engaging with that person, I cannot take on their emotions and still be happy in my life while still being supportive to them as well. I I hope that made sense.
0: (laughs) It does, yeah. But it seems like it takes some practice too, right, Taylor? Oh, definitely.
2: Definitely. But I think there's also this concept too. Uh, We circled around it a little bit, but the vibration and the people you surround yourself with, right? Uh, There's less drama on this side of the (laughs) fence like i'm just gonna Uh, put that out there like when you are when you are happier and you're living your best life and you're helping other people like there's a lot less of that having to take on the emotions and the negativity because there's just not a space for it
0: Mm, that's a good point yeah very good point oh i love that message so more and more just becoming ourselves our unique selves and not taking energy from others, or even giving energies to others. I love your message of no comparison that really resonates. And especially when you say no comparing, if you don't compare, then also leads to no judgment. So now we're not judging either.
2: Well, if you go and look at, if you look at back to the definition of love, right, that respect, that trust, that communication, Mm, the respect one is crucial there because if I'm respecting myself, I'm connected to myself. And if I respect you, I can allow you to sit in your emotions and work through them instead of trying to force you into toxic positivity or instead of trying to solve your problems or coming down to it and then we're both miserable. And so I think that's that respect again for yourself, for that person and then for the relationship you have with that person. And so truthfully, you can be there for that person in full love without taking on
0: their emotional constraints. Oh, okay, <laughs> that's uh, homework for me. <laughs> and uh, I think the most challenged thing for me is that initial emotion of trying to do something, to stop it, so the person becomes happier and sees uh, clearly that the, the problem can be solved. So that emotion kind of, it's overwhelming. Because the hope is in the body and it's uh, it's heavy.
2: Well, and as coaches, we we want to help and we want to give those solutions and solve. But also as coaches and healers, we know that the person has to be ready for it. So as much as we could try, we can't control that situation for them. We can't control how they're feeling. And so the best thing we can do is be there for them with those boundaries so that when they are ready and they're like, okay, like, I just, I just need to figure out a solution for this. Then they are ready for you to help them versus trying to force to change the perspective or situation when they're not ready.
0: You have so many things that I have written here about your work. One thing that I found interesting was journaling. Yeah, How is journaling connected to happiness?
2: Oh, so that's the emotional expression part. Mm -hmm. so the ability to express ourselves and take the chaos that is in our brain and organize it in as simple as writing it out it forces you to organize those thoughts organize those emotions organize the circumstances and have a better understanding of what's happening and going on so you can look at it from a higher level and be out of the moment and be the person that you want to be. So for journaling, I, I love it and its connection to happiness as one of my personal daily happiness routines, personal happiness habits, because it allows me to express and identify my emotions, organize the chaos in my brain so that I'm taking that clutter, that mental and that emotional clutter out of the picture so that I can see more clearly who I want to be and make decisions towards that in my life. Which for me is being happy, right? So, I I can take all the the emotional clutter, the mental clutter, organize it on paper. I don't feel like I have to remember it. That's another thing we like to do as humans is we like to remember <laughs> the stories. That's right? true. And like I can't yeah. forget this. I can't forget this. We'll put it in a journal, Then <laughs> it's out of your head. That chaos is out. But you can always go back to it if you need to. And so that's super helpful in being able to make those decisions to be the happier you and having the mental and emotional clarity to do so.
0: What is your idea of a balanced life?
2: I think that a balanced life is a lie. Mm. I think that when we have the expectation of balance, a perfectly balanced life across all the things that are important to us. And I mean, we could look at like the wheel, like the nine things, right? So we could look at like, where your your relationships your career your finances your personal development like we can look at, it at those high levels and just say yep it's a will and we have to keep that will moving and be perfectly balanced but the thing with that is is that our life is not that simplistic right things come up things need to be prioritized and so this idea and concept of balance to me is an expectation that sets us up for failure now Do you have to maintain and leverage different components and areas of your life? Absolutely. But that's the human experience. But the second that we think that we need to be balanced is the second that when we're unbalanced, we feel like we're failures, we feel like we're not doing it right. And it sets us up for dissatisfaction. And that sets us up for all those other negative emotions that are hard to crawl out of.
0: I like the idea of living this chaotic life (laughs) in many ways and knowing how to go back to that center, they call it, or what do you call happiness or joy or peace. And that made me think, and that's another point that I have here, that you talk about um, perfectionism and you talk about the perfectionist's voice and what we can do about it to stop it. And then you said something interesting about the perfection of imperfection. Talk to me for a moment about that, Taylor.
2: Yeah, so first off, the the voice of a perfectionist, I'm gonna say, going again, uh, so I'm an auditory learner. So I get my intuition, I have an internal voice that I'm constantly talking to myself, all of these things is the voice in my head. And I can easily spot when I'm falling into perfectionist tendencies, based on the tone of the voice that is in my head. Because if it's calm and peaceful and, and, relaxing and mellow and somewhat softer, I know that it's coming from a place of self-love, right? And of happiness. And on the other side, if it's really like terse and abrupt and aggressive sounding and it gets loud and it just has this bitter bite to it, in its tone, then I know that that's the perfectionist tendency coming in. And that to me is a cue of what are my thoughts doing right now? And I can use that tone to stop my perfectionist tendencies. Um, And remind me the second question on that.
0: Let me see the whole phrase you said, you just have to have the courage to be you and declarations can help you remember the perfection of imperfection.
2: Yes. So that goes back to that learning and growing component as well. And when you had asked me at the very start, like to describe myself, my declaration for me is I am an intuitive mentor, vibrant, abundant, and filled with light. Now, if I'm constantly striving to be that perfect identity, then I'm not that identity. If you think about it, if I'm vibrant, abundant, and filled with light, and my voice in my head is, you're not doing good enough. You need to be better. Why isn't this perfect? Why didn't you know this already? That's not that person, right? So there's a perfection and imperfection in the sense of you can be a vo- you can be a vulnerable individual. You can learn and grow, and you can fully embrace. Like this is the perfect capstone question because it does embrace everything we've talked about: happiness, everything we've talked about the formula, the self love, the respect, the boundaries. All of that comes into this idea that if you are trying to be perfect at it, you're missing the beauty of the imperfection. And the imperfection is what actually makes it a perfect moment and a perfect, quote, and, you know, quote, perfect life. Because if you're learning and growing and you're striving to be, in my case, that vibrant, abundant, and filled with light individual, there's no room for that perfectionist tendency.
0: That makes me think about nature itself. And I often make this association to nature. nature, I don't see anything that's perfect. I mean, it's the most beautiful thing and the most perfect thing. So I have a few more questions for you. I call them final questions. Before that, would you like to add anything?
2: Um, I would like to say, going back to kind of the, the focal point of my whole business and what I help people understand is that the capability of being happy, right? When we're in these spaces, we don't feel like we're capable of happiness um, it's hard to, to crawl out. But the second you start to build evidence towards your ability to be happy, you start to feel capable. And when you can feel capable, you can start to feel qualified. And when you start to feel qualified, you can feel confident. And when you feel confident, you're unstoppable. So if there's ever a thought in your mind that like you can't do something, shifting that to you're your capable of doing that can then in turn build evidence to feel qualified, to feel confident, and then you're off to the races.
0: Yeah that's something that you said the six fundamentals of happiness the first one is to decide to be happy so is that choice making that decision right Mm -hmm. i love this empowering idea of making choices if you knew you would die soon meaning losing leave in the body would you make any change in your life or do anything differently
2: so on top of having my My podcast, one-on-one coaching courses, I also facilitate a personal development book club. Uh, I'm married. I have two dogs, great friendships, beautiful family, uh, external family as well. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't change any of those things. But on top of all of that, I do have a day job and I thoroughly enjoy my day job. I'm a a marketing director and I love my team. But if I was going to die like tomorrow, I would probably call in sick to work and and enjoy my enjoy these other components of my life and i wouldn't say enjoy because i do enjoy them um embrace these other components of my life a little bit more fully than i have when i have a day job that's also taking some of that tension and dedication
0: Mm -hmm. yeah so it's not changing but doing more of what you're already doing yes i like that yeah that's a great answer. The best answer I get really is no, I wouldn't change a thing. <laughs> that's really straightforward and clear. <laughs> so wow, that's amazing. But doing more of what we're already doing, that also sounds really good to me. And I have one more question for you. The last one, what are three things about life, you know, for sure, as of now?
2: I know that life for sure. I look at things with a very much of a lens of Some could call it selfish, but I, I look at, I look at my life and I look at how I can improve and then how to help other people. Right. So life for sure for me is learning and growing connection with others and embracing happiness.
0: Thank you so much for your presence, genuine presence. I love how authentic you are. I love your wisdom and I love your passion. You have a lot of passion. Thank you. Where can we find more information about you, your work, products, services, and future projects?
2: Yes. So I have a website, happinessabound.com. And that's abound, singular, not plural. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I also have a Facebook group called Happiness Abounders, where we do free challenges to jumpstart your happiness. You can get access to courses and things like that as they're coming out. And then, of course, whether it's through social media sites, uh, you can also listen to the podcast called Happiness Abound. It's a common theme there, the whole whole brand, Happiness Abound. Um, But also... You can shoot me an email, Taylor at Happiness Abound, if you're looking to want to work with me or learn more about what I do.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much again, and we'll talk soon. Awesome. Thank you. Bye for now.
1: Thank you for listening. To learn more about Taylor Proctor and her work, please visit happinessabound.com.